Phil's in um, Kampala. He's been in Uganda um, for um, the last uh, 17 days, uh, preaching his heart out with uh, a, a good friend, uh, Gavin Williams, and uh, he will be back in the UK tomorrow, so I'm sure he'll be ready for, you know, chips and pie, knowing Phil. And uh, I actually said to somebody this, this morning, I wonder if he's lost some weight. I would have thought he will have done because, uh, you know, just knowing how he, he's, he's, not, he's not fussed, is he, on exotic foods or trying different foods. So, uh, you know, that's fatal, in it? If you're on mission, I love all that stuff. Give me, a, you know, a juicy curry and a spicy food. Um, but um, anyway... Yeah, absolutely. If you've got a Bible, please turn to Matthew in chapter 10. Matthew in chapter 10. I want to speak about some, a value that's really, really important to me and should be important to every one of us that are Bible-believing Christian people who are committed to a, a life of discipleship. And uh, Jesus said some many, many um, outstanding things in the Gospels and some very challenging things. And that was part of the problem because the Pharisees of the day and the religious leaders of the day couldn't handle Jesus. He was too hot to handle. <laughs> he was just too hot to handle. And uh, he didn't mean to be, um, he didn't mean to be controversial, but, but just by the very nature of his message... There was a controversy that it caused because he stirred people up. He pumped people up. He uh, challenged people's ideas. And um, in Matthew in chapter 10, it's a great passage because he actually calls a group of, of uh, disciples and tells them, now go. Tells them how to go. Tells them what to take, what not to take. Travel light was really the message. Travel light. That's an important message for all of us, you know. To travel light on our journeys, just through faith. Don't get, don't get hung up with all kinds of baggage. We can get all kinds of baggage that actually isn't spiritual baggage, isn't God's baggage. But we get baggage that's lumped upon us and we think that this is Christianity. It's got nothing to do with Christianity, just got everything to do with rules and regulations. And Jesus said to them, just travel light. And he comes to the point, he tells them all kinds of things that, will, that could happen to them, that will happen to them. How they're going to have a difficulty. Talks them about how they're going to be sheep amongst wolves in verse 16. But then we hit verse 32. And this is where we'll pick it up from. He says this, whoever publicly acknowledges me, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever publicly disowns me, I will disown before my Father in heaven. They're really, really strong words. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against a mother, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. We won't mention the mother-in-laws, but anyway, we'll move on quickly. Sorry, my mother-in-law's here and there's nothing wrong with my mother-in-law at all. I am a creep, yeah, but it gets me nice food. i am also got a fantastic mom and... Uh, Yeah. Your enemies will be the members of your own household. Let me just pause for a moment there to say that he wasn't actually causing discord amongst uh, families. He wasn't trying to, if you just read that out of context, you'll just think that Jesus was there to cause trouble. He wasn't. He was just, he was just signposting the cost 
of following Jesus. That there are going to be some people in your family who are not going to be pleased with your commitment. They're going to think you're weird and strange. And, and, and what on earth is this all about? And then he goes on to say, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves a son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I have three daughters and one son. I love them with a passion. But my call to my life, Jesus' call to my life is that if I love them more than I love Jesus, there's a problem. He's not saying don't love them. Because actually the more we love Jesus, the more we love the kids. You can't get away from it. You can't say, well, those people who say, well, he's encouraging me not to love my kids. No, what he's saying is, you get more in love with me. God's love dwells in you. I tell you, the more love you have for other people, including your kids. Some of you, you don't want to love your kids. You want to throttle your kids at this particular moment. Oh, I've got a few people's attention. What I would encourage you to do, as I know you're doing, is just continue to love God. And God will be, continue to pour out his love in your heart. And you'll just find a love and a grace yes. to love them. Whoever does not take up their cross, verse 38, and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. I just want to say over this next 20 minutes or so that I want to talk about a conviction that I hold dear. I want to be clear, a conviction is not an opinion. It's not an opinion. If I asked you a question about a number of variety of things, there'd be different opinions. For example, who's the best actor in the world? Some people would say George Clooney, other people Brad Pitt, other people Tom Cruise. You just have different opinions. That's just an opinion. What's the best car in the world? Some would say a Jaguar, some would say an Aston Martin, other a Ferrari. That's just an opinion. We're all entitled to our opinions. I am not talking about an opinion here. I am talking about a conviction. A conviction that I hold that come through these passages that Jesus is trying to get us to. And let me tell you, with what we are endeavouring to build, upon this series we, we heard last week about, uh, about the immediacy of God, how God needs to be in your boat if you want him to, uh, and immediately. We've had Phil speak about the, the jubilee, the year of the Lord's favour. I've addressed the whole issue to do with dreams and just here, having a dream from God and not allowing the dream to die. But what we're doing in this whole pioneering phase, this early stages, was trying to establish some foundation that will just help us to be a springboard to go on. But one of these, this is so important, this message here today, because this is utterly foundational. It's a foundational message that we must understand I want to tell you, I'm not in for just nice music. And we've had great music. I love these guys. I love their enthusiasm. I love their passion for God and their music. I love it that we've got green. That might not be your thing, but I love that. I love that we have the drums. I love the excellence of the words and the logos. I love all that. But you could cut all that alongside. I'm not, sorry, I'm not really bothered about that stuff. If we have not got this foundation. And it's the foundation of surrender. You see, if we're going to pioneer something, there's going to be a huge cost to what we're doing. There's going to be a huge service cost. There's going to be a huge sacrifice. There's going to be a huge surrendering. When I give my life to Jesus Christ, I never had an idea of how much it would cost me. The very fact it would cost me everything. I have no idea. I had no idea about the challenges that I would face. I had no idea. So I'm sorry if you came for this really nice 21st century kind of church. 
you know, kind of thing. And we're into all that. But I want to say it's more than that. It's a life of devotion and surrender and sacrifice and service to our God. He is the God above all gods, Josh. You're absolutely right. He's greater than anything or anyone. And so he deserves the very, very best. If God sent his one and only son, the very best into the world, we should respond likewise by giving our very best to God. Are you hearing me? Have I got some people who are with me tonight? And so God here, through his son Jesus, is trying to get a message to us. And it's a conviction that I hold. It's unshakable. It's a rock-solid belief. I have a belief that your life matters to God. I really do believe that your life matters to God. You might think that you're the pits. You might think that you deserve to be in the drain. You might have an opinion about yourself that you're not particularly great. You're not particularly fancy. In fact, who would be bothered with you? I want to tell you tonight that your life matters to God. I don't care what your mum and dad have told you. I don't care what that husband told you. I'm not bothered what that child told you or what that wife told you. Your life matters to God. That is my conviction. How do I get that? I get that through scripture. It runs through the course of scriptures. And I also have a conviction that lost people matter to God. One of the problems with churches over the years is that we've been so insular. We've been so in on ourselves. All we've thought about is ourselves. And God's wanting us to think about lost people. That's why I was thrilled with what they were looking at doing the young people. Because they were saying there's about 50 people. They wanted to get 90 people. And they wanted to fill those places with people who presently did not know God. I'm thrilled by that. And so to hear that 80 of them, there were another 30 who went along. And many of them were giving their lives to Christ. And many of them were were falling in love with God. And many of them were beginning the journey of faith. I love it. Just to be clear. Because lost people matter to God. But I'm convinced that Jesus was and is still looking for a generation that is sold out, utterly given over, yielded people who are cross-carrying people. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. The same is true today. The one message that he addressed his disciples with, he's addressing us today. I want to say that this message wasn't particularly inspiring and stimulating because if you read Matthew 10, it really does lay out what they're going to face. They're going to face a good kicking, a good flogging. It's not going to be the best of journeys for some of them. And if you know any history about the early apostles, I think all of them were, were executed. All of them were killed, martyred for their faith. I think all but one. I wish Phil was here and then he helped me out because he's good on all this stuff. John wasn't, yeah. So there I am. Oh, I want too bad then, Andy. I'm all right. He said to them, you will be arrested. All men will hate you because of me. And some of your family will turn against me because of the cross. They understood what the cross stood for. It was a form of Roman torture. It was disgrace and ultimate death. In essence, what Jesus was saying, if anyone wants to find their life, then they must first lose their life. You see, there's an obedience, a surrendering, an utter abandonment to Jesus and his course. My conviction is that God is stirring a generation that will be daring and adventurous. I believe Arena Church and what's happening here are those kinds of people. You may say, this message, Christian, you are freaking me out. Please don't be freaked out. I understand some of you are on a very, very gentle journey trying to understand and discern what God has for you. 
But some, for some of you, you've been on a journey of faith for many years. And this, is, and this is the lightning bolt to your heart at this moment. Because God is wanting, God is wanting you to be daring and adventurous. And he's wanting to raise a generation. And it's not a young person's generation. He's wanting to raise a generation who will give their life for Jesus. Christian, this is crazy talk. Oh, really? I've thought about crazy talk. I just wrote this down. I'm sorry to embarrass my eldest daughter. She always says, oh, Daddy, why did you have to bring me in? And she'll be, she's nearly half asleep, actually, and she's giving me a real frown now. Yeah, I'll look round at her. No, she's smiling now. There we are, Annie. I remember Annie as a little girl. We just watched um, a, a video of a church service. This church service consisted of about 16,000 people. It's a church numbering over 40,000 people now. And uh, Annie asked the question to me, I don't know how old she would be, six or seven. She said, Daddy, is Arena Church bigger than, than this church? And I said, no, we're not, sweetheart. No, we're not. And she says, no, Daddy, we are. Because we are to me. It is to me. And i just begun to see something of this little child. And I just remember saying to myself, I just want to see what she is seeing. Because she was seeing something completely different to what I was seeing. And it was crazy talk. And Jesus was accused of being a madman and a crazy man. It was crazy talk. But we see... What happened as a result of that crazy, t- crazy talk, he turned the world upside down. The words of Mandela in 1962, I'll move quickly because I want to get to three or four points that I want to share. Mandela said this, I've cherished the ideal of a democratic and free society in which all persons live together in harmony and with equal opportunities. It's an ideal hope I hope to live for and to achieve, but if needs be, it is an ideal for which I'm prepared to die. What great words from a great man. Question, what would you give your life for? What would you give your life for? It may be that you just love the holidays and the career and the business and the leisure and the recreation. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. But if they're before Jesus and they mean more to you than Jesus, then there is something wrong. I have to be honest with you today, tonight. Because God is wanting to lose our lives so we may find our lives. You see, we need men of the cross with the message of the cross bearing the marks of the cross. Cross carriers will take us to a new level, guys. All those who have been around me, cross carriers will take us to a new level. Cross carriers are stirred with passion. The passion for the house has consumed them. The determined, the bold, the daring, the practical. These are the kind of people that will turn the world upside down. These are the kind of people who will bring change to our communities and to our cultures. And so cross-carrying people, there are three things that I want to say to you tonight from these verses of Scripture. The first thing I want to do is say this. You need to stay focused. You need to stay focused. What do I mean? You need to focus 
on the main thing and keep that central. What is the main thing? It's all about Christ. It's all about God. It's all about surrender. It's all about sacrifice. It's all about giving everything to him. That's what it's about. It's not about petty arguments and division. It's not about this and that and the other. It's not about those things. It's not about what you like. Well, I liked it when it was... No, it's nothing to do with those things. The main thing, the main thing, and that is God asks us to take up our cross and to follow him. God asks us to give everything to him. He asks us to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. That means to give him everything. I'm sorry if this is making you uncomfortable, but this is the message that God has called us to. There's no diversion, there's no deviation from it. God has called us to go into all the world and make disciples. His commission is to go and not to stay. To demonstrate the kingdom of God in word and deed and to teach and to love, to heal and to feed, to speak justice, truth and grace. We need to keep the main thing central. We need to stay focused. What else do we need to, to do? We need to stay free. We need to stay free. What do I mean by freedom? You need to get to the point where you understand this kind of message is really uncomfortable. And I could have really, I, I actually had on my mind to do something completely different tonight. And I thought, well, that would have been a really nice word. And then when I really felt the Lord speak to me about this, I thought, surely not, God. I mean, we're only in five weeks. This is going to empty the jolly flipping church. What am I, what are you thinking? Are you sure you got this right? Because I knew, and I know, that not everybody's going to like this message. I know everybody's not going to like this message. And you've got to acknowledge that not everybody will love you. You've got to acknowledge that not everybody's going to love you. Not everybody's going to like you. And, but yet, you've got to stay free in that. You've got to receive the freedom of Christ, knowing what God has called you to be and what God is doing in your heart and life. I'm not talking about me being offensive. I'm not t- talking about... You know, there are some people who go, well, I just, I just speak the truth. Yeah, but do you speak it in love? There is a second part to that. Speak the truth in love. Not just speaking the truth. Anybody can speak the truth and just drop a bomb. It's about speaking the truth in love. This truth dawned on me that not everybody would love me. I know you find it hard to believe because you just think, he's such a lovely man at the front. He's so pastoral, he's so kind, he's so caring, he's so tender. I know you find that hard to believe. Those who know me are looking at me thinking, flipping out, are you for real? But this truth dawned on me. Because I literally thought I was, I was cool with everybody. But I was invited to do this wedding... I preached at this wedding. I thought I'd preached up a, a jolly storm. And then this woman, all dressed really nice and smart, and she said, can I have a minute with you? She was very pleasant, very polite. I said, great. I thought she was going to tell me how great she liked the message. I thought, come on, just... I was there just waiting. I says, how can I help you? She says, I thought what you had to say today was utter rubbish. I do not like you. I do not like your message. And I do not like this church. Thank you very much. Oh dear, what have I done there? I thought everybody loved me. That is absolutely true. But this thought dawned on me that actually I'm not there to please people. 
I'm not there to try and win the favor of people. I'm just there to do the will of God. The very thing that God's asked me to do, and like I've said, we can do that with kindness and with tenderness. We don't have to go out away bullying people, upsetting people. There's too many leaders who've been like that, and I don't like that. But we have to come to the point where we're free. We have to come to the point where we acknowledge and understand that not everybody's going to love us. We've got to be ourselves. That means to be daring and creative and adventurous. And we've got to be prepared to be disliked and abused. Thirdly and lastly, I believe... We will stay favoured, stay focused, stay free and stay favoured. You see, verse 39 says, uh, Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. The finding of your life. I want to tell you, the finding of your life, what does that mean? It means favour. There's going to be a favor that's going to come upon your life as you lose your life and as you find the life of Christ. You're going to go from a person of non-influence to a person of impact and influence. How do I know that? How do I know that? Well, this message was declared to the disciples. What happened to the disciples? They ultimately turned the world upside down. There was such favor on their life. There was such blessing on their life. People were actually looking at them and thinking, well, how can this be there? Ordinary, unschooled, illiterate people. And yet there's such grace and such favor and such power over their lives. Why is that? Because they were prepared to lose their life so they could find their lives. God wants to favor your life. He wants to bless your life. He wants to increase your life. He wants to do amazing things in your life. And we look on at people who have, in, in, in Christendom and think, oh, they're just fantastic people and they're just amazing people and it'd be great to, to just do the things that they do. You must understand, all those people, it's come at a huge cost. And the cost has been their life. Have you all heard of the Alpha Programme? And the initiator of Alpha, a man by the name of Nicky Gumbel. We all look at Nicky Gumbel and think, what a very nice man. He talks like that, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Just very nice man. And just a lovely way about him. And we sometimes think, oh, it would just be amazing to have the opportunities that he has and the influence that he has. But Phil was telling me about a book that he read. Now about the incredible cost that Nicky Gumbel has had to pay for the influence of Alpha personal family cost that he has had to pay for the favor of God. You see, if we think it's going to be a stroll in the park, it, is, it isn't. Am I saying it's going to be hard all the time? I'm not. But am I, going to, am I saying it's going to be easy all the time? Certainly not. What God is looking for are disciples who will surrender and will give everything to him. If we will stay focused, if we will stay free, then God will bestow his favour upon our lives. I want to encourage you here at Arena Church to be the kind of people that give everything to God. You have a dream, you have a vision, you have a passion. We want to hear that vision and dream and passion and we really do want to welcome all of you Every one of you, even to be absolutely clear, those who were from originally Bosworth Street, those who were, who were volunteers, we want to see everybody there. I'm just going to outline some of the things that I believe that God might be saying to us over these next 12 months. 
We just wanted to get an understanding of who's part of the church. Even if it's your first time tonight, say, I'd love to know more. Just give your name on this resource hub. But I want to say, you may have a dream, you may have a passion, we want to encourage you with that. But those things always come at a cost. Always come at a cost. That's my experience. And we have to weigh up the balance and say, is this cost worthwhile? Is it going to be the cost that I'm willing to pay? Is it the price that I'm willing to pay? Me for one, I have a vision, I have a dream, I have a passion. I want to tell you, I'm committed to paying the price for that. Because people, you guys, matter to God. You matter to God. And lost people matter to God. Therefore, the price is worth paying. And we're going to be calling people to, you know, really committing to that kind of life of discipleship and surrender to our God. I wonder if we just bow our heads.